0: you know, one, talk about, you know, the effect that it had on you uh, in your school, and then now, you know, where you see yourself now in the, in the future for your school, based upon all, you know, everything that's happened.
1: Right, well, I mean, basically when it first happened, what's the first thing you say? Holy crap, now what? For over 260 episodes, Dwayne Brummett and Ali Albarigo have been sharing how to take your martial arts school to the next level welcome to another edition of schoolownertalk.com. now here's your host dwayne and ali
0: hello dwayne brummett here with ali alberigo schoolowner talk.com Allie, great to be with you sir and also our special guest today as well yes
2: yes absolutely you cut the intro off slightly but but uh you're in such a rush and anxious to get in here i can see you're so excited
0: yeah, yeah. Well, you can still hear the music, though, so.
2: Yeah, yeah. So we're, this is one of my dear friends, uh, good friends, Mike Pinelli. Um, he runs East Coast Karate um, in uh, Seaford, right? Seaford, yep. right? Correct. Uh, New York, and um, been running a school for how many years,
1: Mike? Oh, since, uh, well, I took it over for somebody. I started in the early 80s. We It started in, like, 1978, and then my instructor actually handed me the keys, and he says, Take it over. And that was, you know, probably early 80s. Wow. So over 30 years, this school
2: has been in, in operation and you've been running and, you know, teaching martial arts there full time. Correct. Wow. Pretty insane. So, um, yeah. So, anyway, for all the listeners, um, Mike's system of martial arts is Kempo. We'll go with back get a little into his background, but I'm excited to chat with you you know, about a multitude of different things and how you made it through COVID to, you know, how you run your school and and so on. So, uh, Mike, tell us a little bit about your background, your system. I know you trained with a lot of interesting characters and how you got to where you are today.
1: Yeah, well, basically, I started in 1971 with uh, Al Tracy's system, Tracy's Karate, and I did that from, like, from 11 on up, and then I, I took a pause to play a little rock and roll, as you know, Ali, right. how that yeah. is. Yeah, a little rock and roll. And so we did that. I did that for a while. Then I came back and it was called American Olympic Karate. Mm-hmm. So American Olympic Karate, um, we started. Uh, I started basically back all over again. I just said, let's start back at zero and take it from there. And then that was pretty much a Parker system. Didn't really have many katas. You know, it was really self-defense. It was kind of uh, a lot of my instructors were affiliated with the PKA, if you remember that. Yeah. So it was a lot of kickboxing and a lot of self-defense and a lot of fighting. There was really no katas. Okay. As, as time went on, we wanted to not get you know beat up as much. And so let's do some katas to have a break. So we went back to the Tracy system, and that's why I met Al Tracy. And we, you know, I, I was at his place in Kentucky, and we would we would study there uh, on weekends, and we would do like five katas on a weekend. And every at what all the instructors, including my. My partner would say, "Okay, how do we remember all these cottages? There's no way, you know, right. we couldn't we couldn't film them back then. So we'd say, "Okay, you remember this piece? You remember that piece?" And then hopefully, when we get back to our studio, we can kind of piece it all together. And we did, right. you know.
2: That's amazing. That's very very cool. So um, so with your system now, what would you consider? Are you more of a uh, classical traditional style or kind of like a you know, a combination of tradition and modern martial arts, what, what do you consider? If someone, a parent asked you, what would you tell them? I think,
1: I think we're a little bit of both, more on the tra- traditional side, meaning we'd still do the traditional Kempo, but if, if any of the Kempo guys out there know what I'm talking about, we don't need any more techniques. We know over 600, right. you know, plus, plus, plus. So what I did was I took some of those techniques, I kind of threw them overboard Cause how many right punch techniques do you really need in the grand scheme of things, you know? And we implemented uh, uh, stick work, a uh, screaming stuff, and we did, um, you know, some stuff from Joseph Simonette, which is he was he's a master in and many martial arts, and he was became my instructor for a while, you know, and uh, which I learned a tremendous amount from him uh, as far as martial arts goes. So he was more well-rounded, you know. Kempo was kind of jujitsu, kung fu, karate, judo. Whereas now, like, and a lot of the MMA guys in the beginning were a lot of Kepo guys. But now they they specialize things. So, you know, now the Kepo guys that could fight, we really were a ground fighter. So if you wanted to do MMA, you had to, you had to go to a school that knew how to do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. So they right. kind of branched out from there.
2: Yeah. That's awesome. That's a great history. Now, and how did you guys meet? Hmm. Probably, Mike. Through Mike and I met through the tournament circuit, probably right. Martial yeah, arts tournaments
1: through, you, through your tournament because you, when you started, we we used to bring a lot of uh, a lot of kids and adults to Ali's tournament, and we just became friends, you know. And we would bounce off stuff uh, to each other on how to make the tournaments better because we've yeah. always been, as many of the tournament people out there know, especially in the '80s, '90s. In early two thousands, it was a bit of a disaster. You know, you still, would have to chill. still still, well, still kind of is. That's why I think we yeah. did done a good job in in uh, fixing that. You know, but we you'd show up at eight thirty in the morning, and hopefully you'd hear your ring as a black belt, and maybe you would compete. Like I remember when we did, I did the um the the one at uh, Madison Square Garden. I missed my division. I've been there for hours. How I missed my division is unbelievable. But uh, apparently, I yep. didn't hear. You know, so that's that's I said, that's it. We have to run our own and change things. Yeah, Dwayne, uh,
2: part of the history is, too, that we were all running uh, our other business partner in the tournament circuit is Rich Christina, and we were all running separate tournaments and we'd all support each other. And um, and you know help each other out, and you know make sure that I was there for his tournament, he was there for my tournament. He'd bring people, I'd bring people, and just between the three of us, we were doing our circuits as best as we could. But um, I started to see my enrollment in my tournaments declining, and I said something's got to change. So I I don't know exactly how we did it, but we all met and we got together and we we joined forces to develop this tournament circuit, and we started to look at. And by the way, we still we just met. This morning for breakfast. Uh, yep. Although this morning Mike talked mostly about you know uh, band equipment and monitors and speakers with Rich, um, and uh, but but at the same time though we're always saying like what did we do wrong. And what could we fix? What people complained about, and what could we fix? You know, and, and Mike's great for that. Him, you know, Mike likes to process while talking. So he would call me up and we would chat on the phone or we would meet and we'd figure out all the things that were issues. And now we run a tournament that runs by the time. Like Dwayne, I shared that with you, right? You you ran your tournament by times when you ran yours, it right locally. And Um, Anyway, long story short, so now we run by the time, on time, and you know, we're doing so much, we cordoned off the rings so that no one could walk on the floor. Um, It's fully matted, it's all computerized with monitors. I mean,
0: everything you could think about the Olympics is like what we did with our tournament circuit. Nice. And and I'll tell you, you know, uh, that one tournament that I ran, based upon the way that you guys run the tournament, I got so many compliments. Um, yeah. Yes, everybody showed up at 8 o'clock thinking that they had to wait to hear their – even though I told them, you only need to show up a half an hour before, you know, you, your scheduled time. Nobody believed me.
1: Yeah. Well, right. yeah that's, that, that's exactly what happens. You know, it's funny. We had we had a whole school from – remember, Ali, from Brooklyn come in yeah. and the, the tournament started at 8.30 and they showed up at 10 o'clock thinking that, that was the norm. So when we explained to them that the beginners – of Uh, unfortunately have missed their division, the intermediates and so forth. And he was, he was very respectful. He's like, I, I, wow, this is like a whole new ball game. And, and he, he's been with us from the beginning and he comes on time and all this, you know what it is? I think now in today's day, parents' time is, well, it kind of always was very valuable, but you know, they have, they, people would call us up and say, listen, my son has a soccer game at four o'clock. You think he'll make it? I'm like, well, what time? Is your division? They're like ten. I'm like, you'll be home having lunch and then go to soccer. You know, right. so I think the parents, the parents appreciated that they don't have to sit there like we used to have to do and huddle You're in right. a corner with your equipment and have one guy, five people sleeping while the one guy is holding post to see who's going what, who's that, doing where, just by looking. That is exactly how I ran my
2: life with O Felix Vasquez. Where we'd get there, we'd take a corner, we'd lay our bags out, we'd all go to sleep. And one guy was sitting on the bleachers. And we would okay, Black Belt Division is coming up soon. Like, and then he'd wake us all up. We'd wake ourselves up and we'd go and compete. But there are sometimes we'd show up at 9 a.m. and not compete until 10 p.m. It was just a horror show. And we knew horror that we competed that. Yet there are still tournaments that run like that still. And people still attend those tournaments. So I, I just, we can't understand the mindset. So yeah. let
0: me let me first congratulate both of you on the news that came out last night since you guys are both new yorkers uh that governor cuomo is stepping down now you got to put up with them for two more weeks from what i understand but yeah. after that uh we'll see what happens and uh you know what what you're going to be allowed and not allowed to do but either way i still think this is the the a good step in the right direction um you know mike what do you think about that
1: well, you know, the problem was is that you know we're we're not defiant of what they say, but the problem is is that they kept moving the goalpost. You know, first it was two weeks, then it's a month, now it's three months, now it's four months, and now they lumped us karate studios in with gyms, which is totally absurd. You know, to lump us in with gyms, which have thousands of people some of them, where we have maybe a couple hundred in some of the other studios, maybe a hundred, maybe even fifty. So we could have easily done the social distancing and all that stuff pretty much from the get go, you know, but they and we were the last ones to get permission to open the last ones. And we're the ones that
0: can actually uh, dictate when our people come and not come and the space in between. And
1: absolutely. We can we can monitor that probably better than most facilities because we know you know we send out a schedule and this is when you're going to come we know how many people are in those belt levels we know how many people are going to be there at the max and we and we you know we go that And and Dwayne, too, it's kind of interesting, like the
2: process. And and by the way, for the listeners that are listening to this and saying, hey, I don't run a tournament, none of this interests me. Um, Just take the tournament word out and put your class schedule in place and then you'll be able to see how we worked on refining everything. So like Mike and I would look at it and we would say, "Okay," and and, and Rich at times, but mostly Mike and I, we go, "Okay." we had so much space between this age group that sat and waited because this age group went quicker. Cause let's just say there by the way, we used to run a division that never had competitors like four and five or six-year-old black belts, right? We knew that wasn't happening but we used to offer it because that's just the way it was done so we said we're not even going to run that division we're getting rid of it boom out and that was unheard of because people would just still offer it but people would wait around so we would literally analyze each division to be able to see where there was wasted time and then we crunch it together so we got it to such a science that right mike we're done by like grand championships are done by 5 30 Um, And we start at 8.30. And by the way, people are not there from 8.30 to 5.30. They do like a two and a half hour window and then they go home. So a black belt could show up at one o'clock. They show up at 12.30 to compete at one. They don't even have to be there the entire day. They just show up at the time allotted. And we never run early. We always run on time. So, you know, or a little bit later at times. But at the same time, no one has to ever feel like, oh, I better get there two hours early and, and miss my division. It won't happen.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's funny because we've had people come up to us and they're like, uh, uh, Mr. Mike, what's going on? I'm like, well, what do you mean, what's going on? You know, it's it's 105. It's 105. They're doing this. And the division's supposed to start at one o'clock. I'm like, okay, so we're starting at 106 relax. You yeah. they bust
2: chops though. I think a lot of them know yeah. that we're so good. They're like, a, it's one Oh two, you know, like they're just busting our chops because we're so, you know, on it, that kind of thing.
0: So, pretty so cool. Mike, let me ask you this, uh, you know, not that I enjoy talking about COVID. Um, but it, it is a real thing. It has affected our schools. Um, you know, one talk about, you know, the effect that it had on you, Uh, in your school and then now, you know, where you see yourself now in the, in the future for your school, based upon all, you know, everything that's happened.
1: Right. Well, I mean, basically when it first happened, what's the first thing you say, Holy crap. Now what, you know, we, now how do I do, how do I get people on? How do I do this? And okay. So now we have to do zoom. I had no idea what zoom was, you know, I'm looking for, I'm looking for a platform, you know, people were doing um, you know, other live stream stuff. I go, Let's try Zoom. One of my instructors is pretty techie. He's like, Mr. Mike, try Zoom. I'll set you up. And we set it up. The thing about it was I couldn't have anybody at the studio except for myself. So I was working Monday through Saturday by myself. I had another kickbox instructor that did that stuff. But you know, we, we kind of went by ourselves for eight months. And the, thing, the hardest thing is to get the parents because not everybody has the technology or the wherewithal to even figure it out. So to get everybody together probably took weeks to get everybody on. How do I go on? I'm muting. No, no, you have no, not that button. That's the mute button. Oh, goodbye. You know, it's, it was kind of like a comical thing in the beginning. But luckily, I have very good clientele that they stuck it out with me. You know, and what we did, too, is we instead of doing just the Zoom and the martial law stuff, we would go to their We went to their houses after like the third month and we gave them stuff. You know, we handed out masks. You know, with our logos on them. We did yeah. everything we did could do to keep that, you know, that that group together and sure. keep motivated. You know, because we all know doing Zoom. You know, for a six-year-old to do Zoom, it's it's hard. His attention span is gone. You know, right. not to mention not to mention his dog is walking through or yeah. his cat is jumping on his head. You know, yeah. and you're like, oh my god. You know what, am, what? what? What have I done? You know, right, right. I'm at this stage, and I'm going. Oh boy, is this is this even gonna help? Or how many people are you gonna lose? Right, you yeah. know. Luckily, we just kept doing things, on a you know on a periodic basis. Okay, every month we have to do this. Every month we got to send. You know, I would drive to everybody's house, and I would give them a package or something. You know, like a thank you with a T-shirt or something. We'd make up stuff or wristbands. You know. East Coast Karate Strong, stuff like that, just to keep them motivated to keep going.
2: Yeah. And by the way, um, also, Mike, too, I, I know that you did virtual uh, scavenger hunts online. Oh, yeah. You know, I did a pet show. Did you do a pet show or no? I think I was the one who did that. Um, and, yeah. but but you did the scavenger. Oh, you did bingo night, right? You did bingo.
1: I had more parents on bingo than I think I did kids because it was yeah. it would be like a Friday night. They can't go anywhere. You know, so they have a glass of wine and they're playing bingo, you know, and then the kids got involved. So we wound up instead of one game of bingo and playing four games of bingo before you know it, it's midnight. Right. Right. I'm like, I got to go. I'm like, I I love you guys, but I got to go.
2: I love the fact that, you know, um. And and by the way, you know, you and I would chat all the time. And Dwayne and I, I mean, without all of you guys, I don't think I would have made it through. Like, I was so lucky to have people to share with and pick their brains and vent to. Um, But uh, this is why you're still around. A lot of our friends, right, Mike, they just said, nah, I'm not doing Zoom. I'm going to shut down. And and they were done. Like, that was it. Or they maybe would do a video on YouTube that the kids could follow along with. And it was, that was about the extent. They literally shut down. I don't understand why, though. What do you well, think?
1: I, I think what happens, they 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 don't have the drive anymore to go past that point. You know, they're almost at the time in their careers, they're like, you know what, I just don't want to do it. Because what really happens is it falls upon the owner to get everything done. When you're, right. you have a small school, you can't say, okay, you know, Sensei John, do me a favor when you get home. You know, one good thing about Zoom, when they started to come up with these breakout rooms, I could have an instructor at home and whoever was online I could say, okay, there's two different belts or three different belts online. I could send that group to, you know, Sensei John. I could send this group to Sensei Vinny, and they could actually teach them while I'm teaching, and they don't have to leave their house. Yeah, that's amazing. And up, and up to the studio. So Zoom really, you know, they start to progress. They really start to implement some definite uh, advantages for, you know, a, a martial arts studio. I'm sure it worked for a, a lot of other people, but mainly for us. They really started to upgrade their stuff as they went along. So then, yeah. now, are you still doing Zoom? I have officially shut Zoom down months ago. You know, I had like one or two people. I couldn't take it anymore. You know, it's always the child, you hate to say it, that, you know, playing with his dog that wants to stay on Zoom because the parents, it's easier for them to stay on Zoom than come to the studio. You know, it becomes a habit. You know, what should I do? I have to, I have to do laundry. Right? You know, Johnny, just do me a favor. Go on, go on Zoom today. You know, but then that became a habit. So when I shut it down, miraculously, Johnny showed up in class the next day. So it's really not, you know, I, I have another studio uh, with sensei Greg Stevenson that he still has people on Zoom. Yeah. You know, and, and I, I, I get it, but at some point you got to pull the Band-Aid off, especially well, I, at this stage.
2: I have people on Zoom, and um, I the only thing that shifted in my mindset was that I don't spend the Zoom time with them that I used to when it was – covid shutdown. Right. So like we'll we'll pop a class we'll let everyone in. The parents are still by the way this is one thing that I think that I that I don't like but a good majority of the parents no longer come into my school. They they drop their kids off and they sit in their air conditioned cars on Zoom. I like it to a certain extent but of course we don't sell retail we don't sell drinks. So now slowly parents are coming back into our lobby, but I do like the fact that if a parent couldn't get their kid there they're able to do Zoom, but I just turn the class on and have the camera on the students and the instructor and he teaches the class and they follow, it's their responsibility to follow along. Um, when, sure. and then we'll turn and say, Hey, we're doing sparring. So you do this. And, but we're not putting that time and effort into zoom. And I still have people from, from North Carolina, um, Virginia, Florida that are training with me online that I never would have had that are paying full tuition to be with us. Yeah. I mean, they-
1: Good. No, go on. No, but that's the like for, uh, uh Richie Alley's sake, that's the advantage of it. You know, obviously, if you're not if you're not in the state, it's a perfect scenario. Right. You know, that's what I think has come out of this Zoom. You know, one of the benefits that came out of the pandemic is that I had kickboxers from different states doing my kickboxing class because I didn't have to pay attention to them really as much. You know, we we're doing a kickboxing class, they're following along. It's not so much instructional as the martial right. arts would be. Right, right, know?
0: right. Yeah. What are you gonna say, Dwayne? Now I was gonna say I still have a dedicated room and we're still doing Zoom, but I would love to get rid of it. Um, you know. So why don't you do that? Why don't you just bring the Zoom into your normal classroom? And- I don't want the. And- but see, I don't want the um, the TV in, in my my room. It's a distraction. I think. Well, you don't have to have a TV.
2: You could literally sign in on iPads and have the iPads as your camera. That's what I do. By the way, for those that are listening, I was looking for a three camera shoot and I went online and there was all these expensive systems. And I'm talking to Ryan and I'm like, you know, I'm thinking of trying to get it where it kind of pans around the room and all this crazy stuff. And Ryan goes, uh, why don't you just sign in two more iPads and let them watch on the iPad, sign them in under our name. And I did, so we have a front iPad a camera hooked up to the TV and, and the computer, and then we have two side iPads, so we basically have a three-camera view every single time, so if a parent can't see their kid, they just scroll to the next camera, so you can literally set three iPads up, and that's it, and it would just be sitting, and we Velcro them to the
0: wall, that easy. Mm. Okay, sweet. I'll have to give a, a thought to that, I just, uh, yeah. I like so, it. I will him. say that I, I have people that have gone on vacation this summer, yep. and then got on the zoom and did their classes i I was amazed that they actually did that right we have people that normally jump to fire
2: island which is a separate place that people go and stay for the summer um and they're like oh we always go away for fire Island. we like to freeze our membership and i normally don't freeze the membership i freeze payments uh i mean i freeze their time and give it back to them at the end but I say, now you could do it on Zoom. The kids could go to the beach and practice, just hook their iPad up and go on and, and do the class with us. They're like, wow, that's awesome. So that's that kind of took away their objection. I have a kid who's in Croatia right now with his family for two months. He's been training on Zoom.
1: Yeah. It kind of took away that objection. You know what I mean? Well, there's definitely, like I said, definitely benefits to it, hands down. But at this stage, Ali knows me. I'm like, come on now. You know, because now yeah. what happened is, you know, parents were using it as a crutch. More than anything else. And and what was happening was the kids that really needed to be in class. Oh, my gosh. They weren't. Yes, they were. not yeah. And that's that was the issue. You know? Right. My problem is my biggest population
0: that's still on Zoom are I've got uh, like uh, 15 or 16 black belts that are on Zoom. Wow. Wow. That's a lot. So, so
2: um, Rick Kellerman is a good friend of ours. He's always on our podcast, and he didn't make it to breakfast this morning. But he's like commenting away, um, and he said uh, for the tournaments, hurry up and wait. He was used to that stuff. You sit around, and you hurry up to get there, and then you wait around for hours. Then he said um, he knows one entire school, one school that lost an entire martial art family because the tournament ran so late. They were so disgusted they quit his the guy's school. Um, and then, um, then he also wrote, he wrote, I found that Zoom classes, especially with the breakout rooms and spotlight, it has improved his students' performance and retention more than ever. And then his last comment was that uh, he's mounted, mounting his monitor on the side wall with the camera on the ceiling mount so that the TV monitor is out of the way, yet the instructor can still view the monitor, so it's not disturbing the class. Mm, that's pretty cool one thing though one more addition to that is I also have parents that um during testing will give the link to their grandparents who live in Florida to see their grandkid get promoted on promotion day so maybe that's something for the people who shut down um maybe offer that just on ceremonies and promotions so that people could sign in like I just taught at Masters Unite my other good buddy Andy Stigliano who hopefully have on here too um and uh he had the Masters Unite seminar on, on Zoom. So people were from other states signing in and doing the seminar live with us. And I would turn to the camera and teach the moves on the, on the seminar on the
0: video, which was pretty cool. Yeah. So any, any more questions on COVID? No, I just was curious, you know, what you did, and then what you're doing now. I'm I'm envious that you actually had the guts to shut it down. Ali keeps telling me not to do it, so and I keep listening to him, and I don't know if that's right or wrong, but uh, so far it's been okay.
1: Well, you know what it is. If if it, it, like for, for me personally, for all the students I had, everybody, I had maybe one or two on Zoom, you know, and it wasn't even a, you know, we, we put out a kind of a survey thing to see what they wanted to do, and I got to tell you. of the parents are like, I'm done with this. My kid has to get out of the house. Yeah. Got to get to class because socially it's not doing him any good. You know? Yeah.
2: And for us, the Zoom is in 90-10. 90% of the people watching are the parents sitting in the parking lot in their car versus in our lobby. And maybe a student here or there or a few students on one day because the kid runs late. But um, listen, it's not taking much effort for me, so that's why I haven't done it. So Dwayne, right. if you could make it so it's a very minimal effort on your part, then that would be worth it. But I understand if you're paying a guy to sit in the room and working on just him as a dedicated instructor.
0: Well, I, I don't been- tax my instructors like that anymore. It, it, yeah. They're rotated, so they they're right. doing um, basically two zooms a week, and they're rotating. You know, I'm okay. only do two. So. Yeah. It still sounds like a lot of work. So if you could eliminate all of that and just
2: bring it all back into one room, that would probably save you a lot of time. Yeah, yeah. So Mike, so Mike you guys, let me ask you, uh, oh, Dwayne, did you have more questions on that or no? So Mike, I have a question totally in a different area, right, so okay. um, you have tournament champions, martial arts students that are in competitive environments, NASCAR rated, some really right. amazing, amazing competitors. I've seen your students. Um, what's some of your method methodology or teaching methods that you do to produce that quality of student, right? I mean, that, and is that like, to, honestly, 50-50 in your school, you have 50% that they're okay, and then like 50% that are superstars, what's your percentage that are just those outstanding, Like, and how do you get the people there? Or is it them, or I don't, you know what I
1: mean? What The question? Yeah, I mean, I, I think doing it so long, it used to be, we used to have a lot more kids that were, let's just say, better at martial arts in general. They were, they were more athletic, just in general. I think that's from the, you know, a different, different generation. You know, like 20 years ago, Ali, we, you know, I would have 30, 35 kids on a tournament team, and they were all good. You know, right. and when right. I, when I set up the tournament team, it's not an all-star team, so anybody okay. can join. Anybody can join in any ability. We will help them through. They right. don't get, they don't get charged for it. You know, it's kind of like all my instructors know that that's time they have to put in. They're paying it forward, just like somebody did for them. Right. You know, when I ha- and I had students that never won, and then all of a sudden start to begin to win. It took them years. Right. But I think somehow, for whatever reason, I think the generation coming in that percentage has shrunken. You know, and yeah. when you find somebody that's good, you know, they're playing. They they'll do martial arts, but they're also playing baseball, football, blah blah blah, and they and they're pretty much good at all those sports. Yeah. you know, it's very hard to find. And then what we do is we when we train them, we say to the parents, "Listen, this is this is an obligation." And yeah. sometimes they, the parents kind of you know they they press the pause button, yeah. thinking that okay, so now my, now my son has to, you know, he has to be there every Saturday for practice. You know, right, but right. Meanwhile, if they're playing soccer. You know and the coaches that we have practice every night they do it so yeah. that's i don't understand how lots i mean you know they see their coach that year you know they see us their entire year, life yeah. every year so that's what i don't understand sometimes how the parents think and i know sometimes the parents don't want the child to be left out that's always their big thing well you know the kids in the neighborhood are playing baseball you know, and, and but Johnny doesn't really like baseball, but you're putting him in baseball anyway because right. they keep doing it. So now he's good at karate, but you can't go to the tournament because you have a baseball party to go to. Yeah. And then and then it, how many times have we heard this? We you know when we go to the diner a week, I'm around town, you know, a person will come to me. Oh, sensei, Mike. And I turn and I'm like, oh, my God, the guy's 40 years old. And I'm like, oh, who, who are you? You know, I was so and so, you know, and and I quit karate when I was 12. Right. And I should never have done that. We I hear that now. over and over again, don't we? Over yeah. and over again. Yeah. And I feel, I feel like almost doing, uh, almost doing like a, an interview with every one of them and then piecing yeah. it together, you know, and say, look, you know. But I think it's a lot of times it's the parents' fault. Oh, you don't want right. to do it any, you don't want to do it anymore. Oh, okay, you don't have to do it anymore. Well, but well, what does the pa- why does a ten year old have to make a decision like that?
2: Right. Right.
1: You're well, the had- parent. I had
2: had probably like five parents in the last two months that wouldn't sign their kids up because I hold a yearly. Well, we'll do a month to month, but we won't do a yearly commitment. I only do yearly commitments. I know you do month to month, right? So in your school, right, Mike, you do that?
1: Well, no. I mean, I do a ten month program. Like you know, listen, what happened was we used to do a year program, right? People freak out. Oh, it's a year. They think it's they they hit they see the number or the word and they panic. You know, because little little Johnny signed up. He's seven years old. He signed up. And three months later, oh, my God, he wants to be Batman. You're like, oh, great. You know, I just signed him up for a year program. Now he wants to be Batman, you know. So what we've done, I just knocked it down to a 10 month program and I don't have an issue. It's it's really it's almost like, you know, prices uh, instead of three dollars, you're making it two ninety nine. And people go, okay, it's two ninety nine. It's not three dollars.
2: Yeah. You know, interesting. Uh, So so these parents, they're like, okay, well, we can't do a year commitment. It's either month to month or not. And I've let them go. But I constantly explain to them, like, listen, I get it. You don't want to commit, but I don't want a parent that's not willing to commit. Like I, I only have time that's for cool. people who are willing to commit. And look, I might have to go through more people to find those parents that say, "No, we're doing it this way, and we're committing." So, but I'm okay with that. Like I've had, and I, you know, I it hurts when you're not. You could see your enrollment bumping and your income level bumping, but I want dedicated people, and I explain that to them. I said, "Listen, I want." You to be dedicated, at least for a year. And then after that, you could change your mind. But you have to promise me at
0: least a year. Well, the Um, problem is, Mike, I think that, you know, back in the day, people looked at the martial arts as a way of life. And so, therefore, the commitment was not that big of a deal. Because when they were signing up their child, they were signing up because they knew that martial arts could change their life. Now, it's an activity. Absolutely.
1: And, And that activity has lowered on the, on the goalpost, you know, you know, it's, it's baseball soccer, da, 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 karate. You know, I've had people come in, uh, listen, my, my son's off on a Saturday, you know, can he, you think, I, well, I want to sign him up for martial arts and Ali knows me. I'm like, this isn't the place. Maybe you should go to mommy and me, you know, yeah. this is, this isn't the place for a one day thing. You know, this is, and I've lost them because of that. And that's fine because you're only going to have problems with that person later on oh, yeah. when they're coming once a week and their friends are progressing, and they're not. And then they wonder why. See, that's the thing right. I can't – it's the common sense factor, Ali knows. It's the common sense factor that I I, I have a problem with with people. Yeah. You know, like what, what makes you think that your child is going to progress this far when they come once a week? Right. You know? Uh, just, yeah. why, don't you, why don't you just let him be a kid that Saturday? Just let him run around and jump and play in the yeah. playground, whatever you want to do. He'll yeah.
2: be high. I- I remember being, and Mike, you and I are around the same age. Dwayne is younger than us, but, um, but, uh, Much Younger than us? Yeah.
1: How did that happen? Yeah. Ble- and, I don't want to be on this podcast anymore. I'm the, like, the yeah. old guy. Yeah. You are the oldest on the podcast, then myself,
2: then Dwayne. Um, uh. but, uh, I remember when life was about, and I just talked about this the other day, um, life was about, you know, getting up in the morning, meeting your friends and going, having an adventure, ride your bikes to a park or go play in the woods and build a fort. And it wasn't this until parents started to become helicopter parents, which structured lifestyles like these kids are structured like i used to have a kid in my school that two prominent uh, neurosurgeons were the parents and they had a nanny full-time that had an ipad at the time we're talking 15 years ago with a tablet with their okay um matthew we're off now we got to go to horseback riding and then right after that we're going to eat in the car and we're going to like this kid was scheduled i'm like there is no time to be a child it was literally nothing but schedule, schedule, schedule. And I think parents are hurting their children by doing that. I think it's a big
0: issue. Well, and then the exact opposite, too, where where they don't have anything scheduled and nothing
1: is a priority. Right. Yeah, right. You have one extreme or you have the other. Right. You know, and yeah. I, I just think, you know, it's funny because even the kids nowadays at junior high and high school level can't write an envelope. Oh my God! My, my secretary—they cannot—they cannot address an envelope. It's—it's it's mind
2: blowing to me. I had my secretary, a program manager, about seven years ago. She filled it out like, "Oh, this is my music stuff." But the letter was full length, and it had the address backwards. And it was like crazy how everything. I'm like, "Have you ever filled out an envelope?" She's like, "No, I've never." I'm like, "You're 23 years old. How could you not have even seen one?"
1: let alone you don't have to have filled it out but you must have seen an envelope right you must you must have gotten mail right well, the, the classic is where do i put the stamp right like, no you really want me to tell you where to no. put the stamp not yeah. only that yeah.
0: what type of stamp i i've had instructors yeah. i've had to teach look you're sending out a postcard like a good right. job postcard with a first class stamp right double the price what are you doing
2: yeah, yeah. it is yeah. crazy right so yep. I think there should be a school of. We should open up a school, not martial arts, a school of common sense. Listen, and, and I'm telling you, it would be really what people need because I think that, um, and I read this the other day that because of there was an there was a big, uh, a, a poll done or a study done that kids who were spanked as children had a better had a better chance of survival than than kids who were not spanked because they said the fear endorphins i know this is kind of weird to sound but they were afraid that that fear endorphin trained their body to have that fight or flight response and to be able to figure things out versus having a life of just words. You're, if you don't listen, buddy, you're going to get put in timeout. There's really no repercussions, you know, like where I have kids, my poor daughter, she texted me before and she's like, so-and-so bit so-and-so on the arm. They didn't, this, that camp, they didn't break the skin. I don't, and then she writes in capital letter, who bites people in the 21st century? She's like, who's still biting people? Like, are you still dealing with the seven or eight year old? Like, you know, it's crazy.
1: It's the com you know what it is? My, my my instructors always laugh because when they do something a little off, you know, or stupid, I go, You didn't you didn't take the class, did you? They're like, What class? and then I go, Remember the class? They go, oh, Yeah, the common sense class. I go, Yeah. You should have to me, the common sense class should be implemented in high school at like tenth and eleventh grade. Yeah. Listen, we'll make it easy. We'll give them multiple choice questions. You right. know, A, B, C or none of the above. You have right. to pass that and you have to pass Jim. Right. Then maybe you can move on and, yeah. and be able to balance a checkbook.
2: Yeah. I know. It's crazy nowadays, though, that we're, we're looking at – and by the way, you know, the youth, the, the kids that are in our school now, their parents are still from the millennial generation, right, or before, yeah. or a little bit Both before of them. Most of them. Right. So they're, they grew up in, you know, and, and by the way, a lot of everything that they get is quick. And like, I always constantly, Hey, Hey, I'm not going to say it. Hey Siri, it's going to probably pop up on my phone, but uh, how, how do you do this? And boom, there's your answer. Like, so they never had to do anything to really get to it. It's a quick, easy fix they Google um, it yeah. yeah they Google it so i mean we used to open up a dictionary i know i'm dating myself and we had all these encyclopedias and there was a little bit of effort that had to go into
0: figuring stuff out Nowadays, if you, if you couldn't afford that you actually had to bike to the uh, library library and do it
1: right yeah. so i think and that we, we open up that food. drawer with all those cards and go okay where is it where's the oh government? my god that and was the boat. Hey, where is this? I couldn't find my way around the library if I tried. You right. know, and I'm like, I talked the library. Listen, where is this? And then she'd get annoyed. Oh, it's D3. You know, where is that? Oh, row 172. Well, thank right. you. I couldn't have found that in the beginning. One hundred seventy two. Exactly. You know?
2: Yeah. And my, my daughter, too, just now recently at camp, she's, I, I called up the other day. They said, put me on FaceTime. I'm watching on the camera as the kids are throwing crayons and paper all over the floor. I said, put me on FaceTime. I said, this is my house. You don't make a mess of my home. I said, every one of you, right now, mom. They're holding up the phone and yell- I'm yelling at these kids in camp. I'm going, you clean everything up right now. And I said to my daughter, I said, listen, cleanup is part of the lesson. So if a parent says, well, well, they were cleaning all day, that's because they made a mess all day and they had to clean their mess. So that we're teaching them that lesson. But most parents are very appreciative of us teaching that lesson.
1: Yeah, I think yeah, I think the clientele that I'm getting now is more and more parents who are saying. Listen, I understand what's going out there in the world. I need my kid to suck it up and my favorite three words and do what he has to do to protect himself because you I, and I tell the parents during the testing and all that stuff. I go, "Look, I'm, you know, like as a parent myself, my son is a black belt through me, you know, obviously, and he was 18 when he got his black belt. Yeah. That, kid, that that kid that poor kid, unfortunately, it was my son when it came to martial arts, you know. My daughter too. Yeah, I, exactly. So, you know, but and, and what are you going to do as a parent? You're not always going to be around. Right. You know, so you're not going to be there and you're, you're going to be, he, my son's in Vermont. You know, how can I protect him from New York? I can't. So yeah. I, I, think the, I think what happens is they lose their focus on what the priorities really are, you yeah. know? And soccer's not getting, not getting you out of that situation. You know, dance is not getting you out of that situation, you know, and it's funny when we, when we, and Ali knows this too, when we, when we try to ask for something, you know, your son needs a uniform, they hoop and holler about a $40 uniform. Right. But meanwhile, they, they pull up on a brand new Mercedes and I go, I just wanted a uniform. Your, your child, his, his leg, pant legs are all the way up to his knees. I think it's time for a new uniform. Yeah, You know, it's like the priority is just shifted. Like we're not there. But then again, I do have a cluster of parents that are like, what does he need? What does he need to do? Yeah. And if I if I reprimand the child, I go right out to the parent and tell him right away what happened. Because, you know, yeah. you let that child get to the parent before you. That situation has changed. Uh, you know, it's, it's done a 180. And now you're the problem instead of the child being wrong.
2: Wow, that's amazing. That's a little goal. We call these golden nuggets or like bits of information that people should make note of when they're listening to this podcast. And that one right there is pretty powerful. So um, I like that, like, you know, getting to the source and telling them about the kids issues before they get to, to change the story and get the parent looking at you as the bad guy. Now they're like, well, Coach Mike just told me you bit that kid in class, right? And now they're like, it's not like he pushed you and you bit him. No, you bit, for you know, and you fix it right there. You stop it right in the butt. That's awesome.
1: Well, you know, we do that. But then some parents even at that point are in denial. They still right. believe, they still say, you know, I had, I'll never forget. I had a, a child years ago, and I'm, I'm teaching the class, and he just turns around and wails the kid next to him for no reason. Right. I was like, holy cow, did that really just happen? Yeah. You know, and I reprimanded the kid. I pull him out, I bring him into the office. He, he, there is no remorse. So you know there's something off. You yeah. know, if an eight-year-old has no remorse for just nailing some kid in the head, and I went and told a parent, and she's like, Well, no, that could that couldn't have been him. He's not like that. I go, ma'am, you you don't understand. I physically saw it. You right. know, and she's like, No, 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 no. You know, like we've had those parents. Right. No, not no, not be him. I said, Hold on one second. I went to my office, I wrote a check. And I handed a check. I go, listen, this is the month that you were here. You know, this is not the place for you. And she's right. like, well, why? I go, because well, you're in total denial. Now right. when he leaves, all the other parents are in the – they were like, thank God he's not here anymore. I'm like, well, why didn't you tell me? Well, he's a bully in school. Well, why didn't you tell me that from the beginning? Like sometimes yeah, they, you they want would- the parents to give you information, you know, and absorb it. And this way you can maybe help the kid not be a bully anymore and make friends with the other kids. Right. Interesting.
2: Dwayne, you have more questions because we always, our podcast goes so quick and Mike is so at, and and by, by the way, I give you credit, Mike, you have not offended anyone so far that I know of, and you haven't cursed or gotten angry. So your anger management classes and the medicine is working.
1: That's good. Well, <laughs> I, I upped the 25 milligrams today, so I'm totally fine right now. <laughs> you're, doing, you're doing great. You're doing well, listen, great. I, I still have 17 minutes to offend somebody. I got time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so okay, so I guess uh, in all of your years of running a school, what are maybe some, you know, the top three to five things that you know school owners need to need to take in consideration when running their school in order to be a successful school?
1: I think obviously, um, you know, the customer service and and you being on the floor. I know sometimes. Being a head instructor, you don't want to be on the floor with beginners sometimes. and I, I get it. You know, I don't want to teach five-year-olds anymore. No offense to the five-year-olds, but I have 25-year-olds that can easily teach a five-year-old. You know, but sometimes the parents want to see you out there and on the floor. Yeah. You know, so, so if you periodically pop in to these classes every week and the students don't know which class you're going into, it's kind of a, they don't, oh, Mr. Mike coming in to teach today, you know? Right. Well, they uh, Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. And then I'll pop in, and they're like, "Oh, good." You know, it puts a different dynamic in. I think that you're you're the head guy, and you're teaching their five year old. You know, not every day, but at least maybe once or twice. You know, once or twice that month. Yeah, while just else just, going being,
2: on. just being there is enough. You yeah. walking out on the floor, pointing yeah. fingers at what needs to be done. People see you as an active participant, and that changes the dynamic.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because when you're going when you're going on the floor, you're the guy. You know, it's kind of like it's kind of like when your father walked in the room and you were in trouble. You know, the other the the other way around, it was my mother. When my mother walked in the room, okay, everybody stop what they're doing. The wooden spoon was coming out. Yeah, No, no. My mother, my mother used was a kicker. You know what I mean? That's why I had to do karate. I always tell the story. Why'd you learn karate at eleven years old? I go, I had an Italian mother. I had to learn how to block. (laughs) That's true.
2: (laughs)
0: Yeah.
2: Well, that's, I called my mom yesterday, Dwayne, back to your Cuomo thing. And I said to my mom, uh, Cuomo is uh, out. And my mom's like, I liked him. Like, she's, she doesn't really know right now. I'm like, what'd you like about him? She goes, he was Italian. And I go like, that's it. That's, that's it. his only redeeming quality only- like that. No, he was an Italian. I like him. I love him. He was terrible. But anyway, so like it reminded me of the
1: Italian kicking mom yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Exactly. My, my mother could have played for the Jets in like 1972. Yeah. She could have been the field goal kicker. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt.
2: That's crazy. Awesome. So the
1: first one is customer service. What else? Um, I think uh, having a core of instructors, that's good. You know, I mean, a lot of times we rely on, you know, it's kind of like you really have to train your instructors on how to teach and what you want taught and how to do that. You know, there's, there's a lot of different ways to tell somebody that they're screwing up without being nasty to them, right? you know? And I think that's, you know, now, I mean, years ago, obviously, we all know, you know, when you screwed up and you were a student, you know, in 1972, it wasn't nice. It right. wasn't a nice thing, but that's what made us who we were. And we, can't, and we can't implement that now, obviously, especially since I can't curse on this podcast. Well, my instructor told me at 12 years old. You know, right. he like, hey, Penelli, what the blop, what the blop, what the blop you're doing? And I'm like, I, I yeah. don't know what I'm doing. I'm sorry. I really yeah, didn't. Yeah. You know, but if you do that now, the kid runs out crying. And what would you do to my kid? You know? Yeah. So, I, I mean, that's the other thing. And, and obviously, we've all been in business for a very long time because it's our reputation that's at stake. I think what happens is a lot of school owners, when things start to go down, you start to search for things that you should be doing instead of things that you should not be doing you know, and just kind of tough it out. I mean, I, I found, like Ali says, I just, I found that going back to where way I used to be, I used to be, oh, you know, don't worry about it. I had that, that time period where, oh, it's not so, you know, let's do it this way and treat the kids, you know, maybe a little lighter. And then what I just got, I got students that, that weren't prepared to go out in the street and it lasted a very short time. When I switched it again, I go, we got to go back to the way we were. My instructors will come up to me and go, you would never let me get away with that. I go, you know, you're right. You're 100% right. Let's get back to the way we were doing things. And the clientele that we want are the same clientele that has the same philosophy of what we're doing. You know, not everybody's going to like my studio because um, I'm kind of hard edged in a way. But I, it, it's, it's, it's black and white. It is no gray area. It's right and wrong. You know, that's it. There's no middle ground. You know, when something happens at the studio, I go to see the parents or whatever the case would be. You know, you don't hear me say, well, you know, they were having a tough time today. No, they screwed up today. This is what they said. This is how they said it. And this is how they treated my instructor. End of discussion, you know, and then let the parent sift through that. You know, I I get some of the parents that go, well, you know, I go, there's no, well, you know, this is what he said, you know. Well, he was, Johnny was having a bad day today, or Tommy was having a bad today. You know, okay, but that doesn't mean you have to act this way. We all have okay. bad days, you know, but it's how we treat the people, especially a teacher. Like I always say, if something goes wrong, I always say to them, would you, tell, would you say that to your English teacher in school? They're like, no. I go, so why am I any different? Right. They usually don't do it to me. Like they won't do it to me directly. They'll do it right, to right. The instructors. And then the instructors will come in to me and go, you'll never believe what just happened. I go, i believe anything that happened just tell me what happened yeah then i'll go then i'll go in and address it you know
2: well, that that's why uh, the substitute teacher mentality, right? Where the sub comes in and everyone acts like a lunatic. Right. right. You know, I even with my poor daughter in summer camp too. I watch mm-hmm. and I call up and I'm yelling at everyone, going, "How dare you!" But she has to also learn how to shut that down, how to be strong, and how to get. And by the way, forget about teaching class. This is the same thing with a young female in a job or with a spouse. We have to teach our kids, our instructors, we have to stand up for themselves, speak out, etc., etc. So that's super important. I like the old school, Mike, and me too, the old school Alley better than I like the whole, you know, uh, you know, the nicer version that lets people get away with thinking they could run our schools for us, you know, or tell us how to run our schools.
1: Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, you, you think about it. I've had parents that, you know, you have a certain uh, requirement. They're like, how come you have a requirement for you have to take certain amount of classes of sparring classes for your black belt test? Right. And I'll go, okay, so let, let's just get this straight. And, and I'll I'll say back to them exactly what they're saying to me so they can actually hear what they're saying. Yeah. I, well, you know, the requirements for black belt tests is you have to do 10 rounds of sparring. So how do you want to take a test at a black belt level and not go to sparring classes? How does right. that, how does that register for you? Right. And they're like, oh, 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 I see. Yes. So what? He did 10 classes four months ago. I'm telling you right now, he's not gonna pass the test because he's gonna gas out right at 10 rounds. He's gonna gas out. Right, right. And it's gonna be embarrassing because everybody's gonna be there. And I have failed people on tests. And yeah. people and yeah, and they the par- some of the parents were like, yep, he, he deserved it. And some people are like, How can you do that? Well, you know, it's a physical part of the test. You have to do, you know, for our black belts, the, the, the physical part is pretty difficult. You have to do like 60 push-ups in 60 seconds, like things like that, that they have, they're, they're obviously building up to at every level. Yeah. You know? So, so I, I purposely have two parts of a test because of that reason. Because generally, if somebody doesn't pass the physical part of the test, they're not going to pass the other part. So we do the physical part first and apparently, well, well, how come he failed the test? He, he can only do 40 push-ups. Right. Uh, okay. Well, you know, I said, and I tell them, and, you know, as instructors, it's not like we told them Friday night for a Saturday test. We've been telling them all year, did you do your push-ups? Did you get to, did you right. do this? Do that. You know, you can't study Friday night for a push-up test on Saturday. You, can't, right. it's, not no, you? it's not like that. You have to do it. And then yeah. when they fail, it's obviously, now it's our fault. Well, isn't it inter- The physical if, part of the test. Isn't it that interesting, so though?
2: Like you said before, which is so, super crazy, like, why the soccer coach gets priority over you as a karate teacher. then you also said it again. Why do they, there's no, it's kind of like COVID. There's no logic to it, right? You know, wear a mask, don't wear a mask, wear a t-shirt, wear, wear you know, whatever. Um, there's no logic to it. But why is it that people think that they could go in and not do their job, but still pass the test? It doesn't happen that way in school. Yes, unless it you get, well, you got to, well, I guess, don't you have to get a certain grade point average still in order in
1: college, Well, listen, I have teachers that were instructors of mine, and they literally say they have to give a 55. They have to give a 55 if the kid doesn't even show up to class. So I have this teacher giving 55s to kids that don't even show up to class because there might be that slight chance that they might show up in April. Right. You know? And that if you give them a zero – they have no shot the rest of the year, but my times out of ten, they're not showing up the rest of the year. They're just not showing. Yeah, yeah. I and think- what happens? They, they don't get left back, Ali. I they know. push forward. They just keep pushing, pushing forward. And I think that mentality comes all. It, it trickles down to us. Like how come? How come Johnny didn't get it? You know, how come he didn't get a stripe today? Well, he didn't earn it, and he didn't remember his stuff. Right. Well, yeah. how come? And I go right to my the attendance. I go right to the attendance. Well. You know, Johnny hasn't been here yet. He's been here three times this month. Right. You know, whereas Tommy has been here 12 times this month. So Tommy knew what Johnny didn't. It's just the math. Don't take offense to it. It is what it is. And maybe Johnny failing, maybe Johnny failing will change. I've had people that change their whole trajectory once they failed. You know, they're like, I'm never letting that happen again. But that was always my mindset. You know, if I failed at something, I'm like, holy crap, I am not letting this happen again. Right. You know, I'm not letting it happen again. Whatever I have to do to get it fixed and done, I'm doing it. Because yeah, I'm not embarrassing myself. Right. But the problem was you looked at it as
0: that you didn't look at it as it was it was unfair that you didn't pass. You what? looked at it as, oh, crap, I don't want this to ever happen to me again. Don't so I'm going to make sure. That's where I think that's where it's different is, is parents and even kids look at it now as, um, you know, I'm going to piss people off when I say this, this whole equity stuff that, right. you know, it has to be a level playing field when it is not a level playing
1: field. It's not at all. At all. No, no. no it's not. And it, it, listen, then it is what it is. If I give a student a sheet of paper with the requirements, who cares who it is? Those are requirements. So either you can right. do them or you can not do them. But if you can do them, I, I've had kids fail. And, you know, I had a kid actually during the test go, I don't got it today. And he he says, can I speak to you? During a test, 50, 60 people in a room, 20 kids testing. He says, Mr. Mike, can I talk to you? I took him in the other room. I go, what's up? He goes, I don't know. You know, like sometimes you just blank out. The kid kid practiced so much that he totally blanked. Right. right? So I went in a room, and the parents applauded him that he knew for himself that he didn't have it, and he took the test the next time it passed. Wow. But this was a 12-year-old kid. Yeah. So I was like, holy cow, a 12-year-old kid had the common sense and the guts to say in front of all those people I, I just don't have it today i was like holy cow you know
2: yeah. I, you know it's interesting i um i think about two things one steven Seagal would always test his people for black belt three times it was it was known on the first time that you were going to fail you knew you're failing even if you did great you'd go in knowing you were going to fail this is what i heard i don't i never experienced the test then the second time you were going to fail again or pass. There was a chance, right? But most of the people had to take the test three times. But he would want to see... Who knew they were going in and failing and not putting in the effort to being great, even though they knew that they were going to fail? And then he would just say, now you're off the list because they didn't put the effort forward. Then right. the second time when they came back, if they didn't work hard enough, he was do- they were done. But after they did that, the two failures, then they, he goes, now it was almost ready. They were ready for black belts anyway. It was just a matter of formality. But he wanted See how many people pushed, and it's like me with my guitar lessons now. I mean, I practice like a madman so that I don't disappoint my teacher because he's hard on me. Like he's like he'll be like this. I told you seventy nine times how to do that. Like what is wrong? Like he'll yell at me, you know. And I'm not used to it, but I love it because without it, I wouldn't be driven. Because I don't want to disappoint him. I feel terrible if I disappoint him.
0: So I think the the thing too then is um, one for us as school owners we have to preframe our 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 people to the best of our ability, right. And, uh, second is we do not lower our standards no matter no. what. And no matter then what. Um, I think lastly is being tactful in the presentation of answering those type of questions, which is you know you know why did my kid fail and right. uh, you know I, I guess maybe one one action step along with that or one tactic with that is just reframing or rephrasing the question back to them and meaning uh, stating the question back to them. So why did my kid fail? You know? And then you just say, well, why did your kid fail?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Why did he fail? Was he wasn't ready? How come he wasn't ready? Yeah. And I
0: don't even know that I would say the word, I don't know. I would just say, you know, well, why did your kid fail? And and then they have to, because I even do that with price when people say, you know, you know, it's, it's 169 a month. And then I just, I just say it back to them. It, it, it's, it's 169 a month. Yeah. Yeah. Like this is what they're doing is they're trying to get me to justify what the price is. When somebody says to me, why did my kid fail? They're trying to get me to give reasons why
1: I need them to give me reasons why. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and and I haven't had that many failures in a long time because, you know, once you hear that people have failed during a the test, then You're they're trippy. like, oh, "I'm not." Yeah, they're like, "I'm not. I'm not going to go in there, and f- I'm not. I'm not going to do that." You know, right. which is how, which is how I would be.
2: Right. Well, I think that that an answer to that, and we're almost out of time, is uh, we have to then educate them on how we run our schools and how they should think versus what they think they should think like, you know? So the more we educate them on our processes, the better students they'll become. And I think that's what you're doing now. And I'm doing now by not allowing the bad people in because we just wanted another student. We saw them as trouble from day number one and so on. And now we're like, they're just not the right person for us. Our studio is,
0: our studios are not a democracy.
1: It's a dictatorship. yeah, that's for yeah, sure. This is, this is the way it is. It, you know. And listen, I'm more than happy if people want to go to someplace else. I recommend other people to them, but I just tell them, you know, I now I do what what uh, Richie Alley says. I, I have this little conversation with the parents to say, hey, listen, you know, this is how we run our school. It's not. I make the kids earn a white belt. I know it comes with the uniform. It's simple. It's simple things that they have to do, but they know from the get go that they have to earn everything they get. And that's, that's awesome. it. Me too.
2: I yeah. love it. Mike, great interview, man. You did really good. I, I don't know why you were nervous and you cried beforehand, but I'm not sure why you were upset. Well, I, you know, it was the whole curse. You know, it was the whole offending people and
1: cursing, you know.
2: <laughs> no, you did great. You, we'll, we'll definitely love to have you back in the, in the future and, uh, and have you on as one of our experts on how to uh, – you know, work with people as far as curriculum goes and build their school. So you did a great interview. Um, Thank you. It was, it was
0: great. Yeah, it was good. It was great to actually put a face to a name because Ali has talked uh, highly about you before. Uh, and Are I'm- you
1: sure about that, Dwayne? Is the highly part really sure? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you calling me a liar? You know, <laughs> no. I don't want to offend you. I don't want to offend you.
0: <laughs>
1: oh. No, oh, I, I really appreciate taking time out of your day. And, and uh, obviously, you know, it was great chatting with the both of you, you know, especially and I haven't, you know, I see you on the podcast, but obviously talking to you in person, well, on podcast is a little different.
2: Yeah. Awesome. Awesome interview. So Mike, thanks so much. You have a great day. Dwayne's going to, yes. we have an outro that we play at the end of okay. our podcast. If you oh, want to okay. share, if you want to share this podcast, it is on iTunes with your oh, okay, your iTunes and Spotify. I believe you could get it on. So all you have okay. to do is go to Martial art, school dot talk.com yep. to be able to get the podcast. You can listen to it in your car and hear it back and, and share it with, you know, friends or whatever.
0: Yeah. Okay, this
1: is uh, what uh, our, our, 200.
2: 289, I think. Yeah, 289. That's my
1: number. That's my favorite number right there, 289. There, there you, you go. go. <laughs> see? You knew that. Thanks again, Mike. All, all right, right guys. We'll I'll see you see later.
0: You.
1: Thanks for joining us for another episode of Martial Arts School Owner Talk Podcast. This would not be possible if it weren't for the support of our amazing sponsors. Please check out eliteinsights.com for all your website needs. LeadHunterMedia.com, your online digital marketer and content provider. Academy King's BJJ Growth Consulting and Management at GrowMyAcademy.com. SparkMembership.com, the best darn software for school owner-manager on the planet. GetKarateStudents.com, a martial arts growth consulting company for all your school systems.